it is a new year. We are starting a new sermon, but not a new sermon series, because I wanted to take this opportunity. How often does Sunday actually fall on January 1st? Or I said that backwards. How does January 1st fall on Sunday? Not very often. But here's a, a cool fact. How many people know where the name January comes from? It's a Greek god. It's the Greek, actually, I think it's Roman god, Janus. Right? Janus was the god, uh, he was a gatekeeper, he was a protector, so he stood in doorways and he had two faces. One looked backward, one looked forward. So January is their chance to look backward over the last year and yet look forward over this year. So we're going to do this thing. Whoops, you have to turn it on first. Be in technology. <laughs> on the other hand, Matt can help me out. <laughs> Working, right? Yes, okay. So living stones is what we're going to talk about today. Now, you, Bill, you just said about this going looking forward, looking backward stuff. What does living stones have to do with it? It'll make sense by the end of the sermon, I promise you. Bear with me. Uh, what's coming up next, though, is our sermon series that I am kind of excited about, how to read the Bible. Because if we are going to call ourselves Word Serve, uh, you know, I mentioned earlier we want serve in the name so we never forget that. Well, we also don't want to forget the Word, and that's why we put that first. So if we're going to be people of the Word, we should know how to learn to read the word and then we should learn how to live the word so that's going to be our very first sermon series in the coming new year followed by how to be people of good news because as i look at the world around me this world needs some good news and we have it so let's learn how to share it that's the whole point but to kick things off with i want to uh, throw up uh, a why do i keep saying that i don't know i i keep saying throw up and i don't mean throw i want to place on the screen uh a, 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 Story that you're probably familiar with. I don't know why this thing isn't working. Did I, is it my magnetic personality that has done us in? There we go. So there's a familiar old fable, if you will, of the baby elephant at the circus, and they train the baby elephant to not wander off by chaining the baby elephant to a small stake. Now, as the elephant grows and grows and grows, they just continue to put a chain around there to a small stake, and that's how the circuses keep the elephants in place. But at some point, that elephant grows into a full-grown elephant that could easily rip out that stake and go anywhere it wanted. But why doesn't it do that? It's programmed to think that I cannot overcome this. I am not strong enough to deal with this. So you, you probably all heard this story, right? And, and the, the life coaches and the success coaches and motivation speakers will tell you, well, this is where you learn that you have more power in you than you think. And this is where preachers say, that's kind of true, but maybe not why we think. But we'll get to that in a second. But what I want to ask you first is, do you experience this? Are there chains on you as well? Hey, it worked. Awesome. Are there chains on you as well? And honestly, this is a great time at this January 1st to look back on our lives and see where we have been weighed down. What is it that's weighing us down? What is it that's holding us back from living into the full measure of Christ? Now, you can do this search on your own, and I'm not going to try to put things in your mind, but I know as I look back, there are, there are certain regrets that make you know, the enemy will take and use, right? Oh, so you didn't do that that once. That means you're a bad human being. You'll never be a good human being. Oh, Bill, they did that better than you. You will never do that. You can never do that again. In fact, you should just stop trying. Well, you're harboring this bitterness towards this person or these people, and there's no love in your heart. So just give in to the dark side. Oh, sorry, that's another movie. Yeah, 
<laughs> but you know what I mean. There are small things. And here's how this works. It's always a small thing. Because if a big old fat chain laid on you, you would know it. You would immediately go and get help because you know this isn't right. But that's not the way our enemy works. Our enemy works this way. It's just a small thing, a small thread. And then it's another. And then it's another. And it doesn't even have to happen from outside because the first time it happens, our minds, I don't know, maybe it's just me, our minds replay that over and over again until that bond becomes so strong that it might as well be a chain. And I'm not even aware of it until it's too late and I'm immobile. So this morning is all about chains and and breaking free from chains. And we're going to learn how to do that by looking forward and looking backward at the same time. Now, like I said before, the motivational speakers will tell you, okay, from a human standpoint, you're bound by these chains and and you don't realize the power that's within you. So we're going to give you some self-help techniques that are going to give you willpower. We're going to build habits that are going to make you just insurmountably strong. And the world's going to go, wow, that person has their stuff together. I want to be like them. That's not what I'm going to tell you this morning. And, And here's why. Because this is a spiritual issue. This is a very deep-seated spiritual issue. And the enemy that we face has been practicing this way longer than we have. And I got some bad news for you this morning. The, the enemy that we face is way stronger than I am, than you are, than we are. That's a fact. But I also have some good news. I don't want to be strong on my own. I want to be strong in him. Because as long as the enemy has been doing this, my God has been doing this longer. As strong as the enemy is, my God is stronger still. And if I can get that God to live in and through me, then I have nothing to worry about. I will be more than a conqueror. I don't have to fear this enemy. No matter how intimidating it looks, I don't have to wear these chains, no matter how strong they feel, if I do this right. I want to share a story this morning out of the book of Joshua. And it's about a time when they were looking forward and looking back. You know, talk about a guy who had a raw deal. Um... The Joshua, I mean, how would you like to be the guy that follows Moses? Who can hold a candle to that? I mean, this guy, Moses, has been, he did all these miracles. He led him through the desert. He's been God's man for 40 years during this wandering time. This is all that the people know. An entire generation only knows Moses as the leader of Israel. And then God says, uh, let's see, who's next? Uh, you are. Wow. Oh, and by the way, now that you're in charge, we need you to get up and move. You're going to go attack and, and conquer the promised land. No pressure. Uh, man, I can't imagine being Joshua, but that's the setting. So where we are in the story, Joshua has just been told he's going to lead the nation. Moses has passed away, and they are uh, giving orders now. It's time to go. It is go time. And they are told, gather up your stuff. We're going to cross the Jordan River. Now, here's the catch. How many people have crossed a river in their lives? If you've driven over, driven? Now, it's 2023, I can make up my own words. How many people have driven over a bridge, right? That's pretty easy, right? How many people have driven when a bridge wasn't there? So there's probably some good New Year's Eve stories attached to that. But anyway, (laughs) yeah, the point is, there's a whole nation of people that they've got to get across a river. And two different places in the book of Joshua, in in verse 318, it will tell you, that this river, which was formidable by itself, was at flood stage. And you're going to take an entire nation across this river. How are you going to do that? Well, let's tune into Joshua and see what God has to say. Starting in chapter 4, <clears throat> excuse me, 
and I'm going to have Matt uh, file through the, the verses here. I made a big print so you all can see. I'm not going to give you an eye chart today. All right, so we have gotten to the Jordan. We have seen God part the waters. Does that sound familiar? Let's see, where did he do that before? Hmm. Yeah, the Red Sea. He does it again at the Jordan at flood stage. And we pick up as the whole nation now has crossed across. Here we start, chapter uh, 4, verse 1. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe. Tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, and right where the priests are standing, carry them over with you, and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together twelve men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of tribes of Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what did these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. This is the word of God for the people of God. and For these words, we are grateful. Did you catch some of the stuff that's going on here? Uh, first of all, just to get across the, the Jordan, God tells Joshua, the very first thing I want you to do is have the priest take the ark of the Lord, their most valued possession. And the water had not stopped when they step into the Jordan. You know, if I'm the guy that's carrying my most valued possession, I'm going to look at my boss and go, are you sure about this? I mean, look at this. And they have to step in the water first before the water gets cut off. And then Moreover, the entire nation has crossed, and then the boss gets a great idea. Hey, you know what would be cool? We should make a memorial. Now, I know we just barely got by this river at flood stage that has been miraculously held back, but I want 12 of you to go back and get a stone. Uh, that's where I'm questioning the boss again. Like, look, <laughs> we made it, boss. Why are we tempting fate? No, because it's that important that we remember. And, and check it out, one person from each of the 12 tribes. So what that tells me is that everybody is included in this plan, because that was everybody at the time. Later, the Gentiles come in, and it's still going to be everybody is included in the plan. As I hear it, God wanted to save the world. So everybody is a part of this. Everybody is called to remember what God can do. Now, that sounds wonderful, but it is so easy to forget, is it not? It is so easy to forget what God is capable of. Look at what God asked them to do. I mean, talk about risk. Going back there, but God, what if the water comes? <laughs> and I can imagine God laughing like, who do you think stopped it in the first place? You think I'm going to take out 12 of you when I could have taken out the whole nation? And don't flatter yourself. <laughs> think about the, the, the turn of events here from from the defense that Moses has been on, because they've been wandering. You know, the, the first time that God parted the waters, it was defensively to get them across, and then he shut up the, the, the waters so that the Pharaoh couldn't pursue them. And then they wandered for 40 years. They've been wandering all this time. Now this is the first time that God says, okay, now we're time to switch from defense to offense. And I'm going to part the waters again. And we're going to try this again. And if you are faithful, you're going to see great things. Everyone is going to see great things. And what strikes me most in this entire passage is when it talks about these, the very last verse here in verse 7. 
These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. It was that important to Joshua for people to remember what God had done because Joshua got it. By remembering what God has done, we can look forward with more confidence and more faith. Even though, just like driving in this morning, you can't see 10 feet in front of you, you know that there's a God that has a plan, and you know that he has done something great before, and he will do it again. Our God is, is not a God who sits back and, and wonders what's going to happen. Our God is a way maker. Maybe you've heard that song. We should sing that sometime, Jimmy. Our God is a way maker. He doesn't wait. So let's walk forward with that confidence. Now, there are two important lessons that I think we can learn uh, from this passage. I think it is me, Matt. There we go. Uh, the first one is what I would call unused potential. So unused potential is just what the Israelites were as they wandered. They were the people of God. They were the chosen ones. They were the ones that he sent Moses to do all these wonderful miracles so that they could be delivered from Egypt and go be the light of the world to the, to the entire world. And yet, they spent 40 years wandering in the desert for various reasons. It didn't start off so good. I don't want to get into that because I'm going to preach a whole different sermon. But just suffice it to say that there was 40 years of unused potential that they could have been a light to the world, but they spent wandering. The second lesson that I think we can learn, I'm just going to have to say slide. There we go. The greater the risk, the greater that God shows up. I can't tell you how many people that I talk to that say, Bill, I just don't feel God in my life. I, I, don't, I can't hear from him. I don't feel his presence. I don't feel his strength. And you know what? I, at first, I, it, when I was young to this business, I would say, oh, well, don't tell me all about it. You know what I say now? I'm a little more callous. Sorry. I say, well, are you doing anything that requires his strength? Why would he show up in strength when you're already doing everything all by yourself? Do something that you can't do, and then watch God show up. Take a risk that you wouldn't take, and then watch how God shows up. And the bigger the risk you take, as long as it's not foolhardy, the bigger God's going to show up. You want to go into the promised land? Yeah, walk into this raging river. Said no one ever, except God. The bigger the risk, the bigger God shows up. It's all about remembering and having that confidence and trust to go forward. So, in other words, it's about looking back and looking forward. Now, for those of you who are longtime WordServe players, you know how I am into high-tech demos. So, we have a high-tech demo today. This is your past. This is your future. For Jesus followers, there is a way as we move through time, and it is straight and narrow. This is the way. So, here's the thing. When we are called to remember our past... It's to remember uh, what God has done in our past. Sorry about that. We're called to remember what God has done in our past. Now, if you don't have the way, then you're just walking willy-nilly through this world with no real purpose and no real end. And you might enjoy a short time of, of happiness or whatever, but there's an eternity that's pretty awesome. I read about that in this book, too. But here's why remembering the past is so important, because if I don't remember the past and I only look at what the future is, I can't live in the past. I can't live in the future. I have to live in the present. This is where I am. When I fail to remember what God has done in the past, but I know there's a thing called eternity in my future, and I'm living in the present, this is a pretty steep uphill climb. And that's what it feels like. And, and you may take one step forward and two steps back because you've forgotten what God can do. You're relying on your strength. Or I can do this. I've got this. 
I don't need God. Or, well, that whole God, that's just a story. That's just a fable. He didn't really do those things. And you just got to get up by your bootstraps and, and gather your willpower and strength and, and get up that hill. How's that working for you? It doesn't work for me. I'll be honest with you. I've tried it. <laughs> I, I've been right here, and, and I've gotten all the way down here, right, because I forget this God whom I serve. I have seen people on this walk of faith, this little path that we walk, get so discouraged because it looks so uphill that they give up. At best, they'll just stay right here, somewhere in the mid-between. At worst, they'll slide right back into hopelessness. Have you ever seen that? It's tragic. But there's a solution for that. Remember what God has done in the past. Now, some people are, are good about what God has done in the past, and here's the, the flip side of this, right? Oh, God did great things. Yeah, I have no doubt that he you know, freed all the slaves from Egypt, and he parted the waters of the Red Sea, he parted the waters of the Jordan, he's done great things. But you know, God isn't really doing so much anymore, and I don't see God active in my life, so I'm not real sure about the future of God. This one, I think, is even worse, because you know in your heart what God can do but you don't have the confidence going forward. And this is the opposite problem. This isn't, down, this isn't uphill. This is downhill. You can stand here and slide right into hopelessness in this direction. Like Bill, is there any good news this morning? <laughs> no matter which way I go, I got hopelessness. No, we don't. Because here's the thing. When we remember what God has done, and when we're confident in what God will do, we have a way, a way that is straight, made by the way maker. It reminds me of that verse where every mountain is laid low, every valley is raised high, and makes straight the way of the Lord. We just talked about this guy all through Christmas, John the Baptist, and the message that he came. This is the message that he's giving us. Now, this is a straight and level way. It is narrow, but it is full of hope. We rise above that. I don't live down there. I live up here. Does that make this way easy? I wish. <laughs> no, it's still hard because there's always that temptation your God is just a fable, just a story. He has no power. Or, yeah, it, it, whatever, the chains that you're wearing right now, your God, he, he can't love you. You're, you're unlovable. The things that you've done, oh, my goodness, he doesn't want anything to do with you. Until we realize the whole point of Jesus, the whole point of Jesus, the, the one thing, the, think back in your memory, there was one time when he sat down with his disciples and he only asked them to remember one thing. Anybody know what it was? We say it, let me, let me give you a hint. Do this in remembrance of me. Oh, come on. <laughs> it's communion, right? Do this in remembrance of me. This is my body broken for you. This is my blood poured out for you. Every time you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Why? Because the confidence that he will do what he said he would do. The confidence that I don't have to be good, he's good. If I believe in him, I have this future. That is the way. In fact, gosh, it's almost like Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. This is what it's all about. This is the way made straight. So what am I encouraging you to do today? Uh, if you could advance the slide, Matt. I'm encouraging you to be living stones. What does that mean, Bill? Well, God did a great thing back at the Jordan. Joshua wanted them to remember. So he said, go get stones and stack them up. And when your children see that and they ask, 
What do the stones mean? You have an opportunity to remind them, generations going forward, of what God has done. But here's the problem with a monument. You have to be there. You have to see it. And you have to be curious. How many people have seen the stones at the Jordan and asked, hey, what do the stones mean? That's what I... <laughs> really? Seriously? <laughs> that is so cool. I got, let me talk to you later. That's awesome. So very few. Maybe one in a million, right? But how many people have seen Jesus Christ at work? How many people have a story of your own where God has worked in your life? And you can tell people, hey, this is, this is my story. This is what God did in my life. You become that living stone. You become that monument to God that lets people know, hey, this is the power of God in my life. Now, I'm not trying to say that we're trying to be spiritually better than others because here's the, the, the humble fact. It is not me. It is not about me. It is not my strength. It is not my goodness. It is not my righteousness. It is his alone. That's my story. And let me tell you about this guy because the same thing is available to you. And the one that, that makes this way, he's available to you too. You can have a way maker. You don't have to live in hopelessness on either side of this equation. That is all possible. Now, let me tell you why I think this doesn't happen. It's time to get our big boy and girl pants on and, and be real for a minute. Because as Jesus followers, uh, let me see if I can still get this to work here. Aha. Uh -huh. I think we're still babies. I think we're still that little baby elephant that's chained down by a, a thing that can hold us down. And here's what I mean. I'm not talking about word serve, of course, but I'm talking about the church in North America because so many people want to believe in Christ for what I call fire insurance theology. They want just enough to keep out of the flames. Right? So they'll believe, oh, I am born again. That's great. You are born again. Well, what does born again make you? A baby. So how do you not be a spiritual baby? Well, you grow into the full measure of Christ. And that's what we call discipleship. That is one of the beauties of Methodism, is that we actually don't just look at salvation. We look at the growth into the full measure and stature of Christ. Bill, how do I do that? Well, funny you should mention that. We read scripture. We pray. We study together. We come together in worship. We do spiritual practices that make us more like Christ. The more in tune we are, the more open we are to receive the Holy Spirit, the more we're going to look like the full measure of Christ. That's how this whole thing works. And the reason that we're still spiritual babies is, I think, I'm talking about North America, right? The reason that we're still spiritual babies is, I got mine, I'm good. I got my fire insurance theology, so I, I know I'll be saying, I'll, I'll, I'll end up here. What about all the other people that we're called to serve? What about all the other people that we're called to witness to? You know that's our mission, right? Anybody know the, the mission of Word Serve Church? Make disciples. Why? Because we want everybody to have. This isn't for me. This isn't Bill's bridge. This is Jesus' way. This isn't mine. And it's not mine to hoard. It's mine to share. But it's his way. So I think we need to devote 2023, word serve, to, to growing up a little bit. And I'm including myself in this. To getting into the word. To make sure that it's not just here, but it is here. And it's not just here, but it's here in the world that we serve. And here in the people that we take it to. And why is such an emphasis on this? Because I see so many people with so much power and potential available to them in Christ that are still 
living in chains. What if, words are, what if in 2023 we made a difference? What if we decided this is the year that we break free from those chains? Not we, we break free from these chains. What if this is a time that we aren't held back anymore by our past? What if we look at the past from what God has done and what God will do and not what I can do or can't do? I don't know if you're aware, but there is an enemy that is arrayed against us, has been doing this for a long time, has some pretty fearsome warriors, and they're good at what they do. And I, I imagine a day, I don't, I don't imagine it, I don't have to imagine a day, I can turn on the news. I can see that there's a spiritual war going on. And what happens when the forces array against each other and you have the powerful demon warriors on one side and then on the other lines of the battle you have the nursery. Do you like those odds? I don't like those odds. Now, fortunately, we have a Savior that is above all that. I know how it ends, and I bet you do too. But I don't want to stand shoulder to shoulder with brothers and sisters that are babies. I want to stand with warriors. I want to stand with people that can make a difference. I want to stand with people who are unchained, <laughs> not mentally, but unchained, unrestricted because the power of Christ flows through us. And I will ask and end with my favorite question, to what end? Why should we do this? Well, I'm going to leave the final words to the Bible, in Isaiah specifically. In the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Let it be so, word served in 2023. And let it begin with us. Will you pray with me, please? God, thank you that you are a way maker. Thank you that you will do it again. Thank you that you provide uh, memories, uh, even in our own lives, but way back into the beginning when we first started recording history, of ways that you have worked, of things that you have done, of miracles that you have managed. God, help us to hold fast to that strength. Help us never to lose that connection. And at the same time, help us never to lose the connection of what it means to go forward in you. God, I pray that as we examine our lives, you would help us to understand that there is a requirement that we grow in stature, that we not remain babies. So God, help us to grow, not out of guilt, not out of shame, but out of a desire to grow into the full measure of Christ, because that is what we are called to. That is why you made us. And God, let us share that with every person that we encounter, so that at the end of our days, when we stand before you, we can say, we did the mission. We help make disciples, and we will hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.